Chapter 44 of Gunsight Pass How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Bulldog Barks. Joyce fainted for the first time in her life. When she recovered consciousness, Doble was splashing water in her face. She was lying on the bunk from which she had fled a few minutes earlier. The girl made a motion to rise, and he put a heavy hand on her shoulder. "'Keep your hand off me,' she cried. "'Don't be a fool,' he told her irritably. "'I ain't gonna hurt you none, if you behave reasonable.' "'Let me go,' she demanded, and struggled to a sitting position on the couch. "'You let me go, or my father—' "'What'll he do?' demanded the man brutally. "'I've stood a heap from that father of yours. "'I reckon this would even the score, even if I hadn't.' He pulled up, just in time to keep from telling her that he had fired the chaparral. He was quite sober enough to distrust his tongue. It was likely, he knew, to let out some things that had better not be told. She tried to slip by him, and he thrust her back. "'Let me go,' she demanded. "'At once!' "'You're not gonna go,' he told her flatly. "'You'll stay here, with me, for keeps, understand?' "'Have you gone crazy?' she asked wildly, her heart fluttering like a frightened bird in a cage. "'Don't you know my father'll search the whole country for me?' "'Too late. We travel south as soon as it's dark.' He leaned forward and put a hand on her knee, regardless of the fact that she shrank back quivering from his touch. "'Listen, girl, you've been a high stepper. Your heels click mighty loud when they hit the sidewalk. Good enough. Go far as you like. I never did fancy the kind of woman that lick a man's hand. But you made one mistake.' I'm no doormat, and nobody alive can wipe their feet on me. You turned me down cold. You had the old man kick me out of my job as foreman of the ranch. I told him and you both I'd get even, but I don't aim to rub it in. I'm going to give you a chance to be Mrs. Doble, and when you marry me, you get a man for a husband. I'll never marry you. Never. I'd rather be dead in my grave, she broke out passionately. He went to the table, poured himself a drink, and gulped it down. His laugh was sinister and mirthless. "'Please yourself, sweetheart,' he jeered. "'Only you won't be dead in your grave. You'll be keeping house for Doug Doble.' "'I'm not insisting on wedding bells, none. But women have their fancies, and I aim to be kind. Take em or leave em. She broke down and wept, her face in her hands. In her sheltered life— she had known only decent, clean-minded people. She did not know how to cope with a man like this. The fear of him rose in her throat and choked her. This dreadful thing he threatened could not be, she told herself. God would not permit it. He would send her father or Dave Sanders or Bob Hart to rescue her. And yet, when she looked at the man, big, gross, dominant, flushed with drink in his triumph, the faith in her became a weak and fluid stay for her soul. She collapsed like a child and sobbed. Her wild alarm annoyed him. He was angered at her uncontrollable shudders when he drew near. There was a savage desire in him to break through the defense of her helplessness once and for all. But his caution urged delay. He must give her time to get accustomed to the idea of him. She had sense enough to see that she must make the best of the business. When the terror lifted from her mind, she would be reasonable. He repeated again that he was not going to hurt her if she met him halfway, 
and to show good faith went out and left her alone. The man sat down on a chopping block outside and churned his hatred of Sanders and Crawford. He spurred himself with drink, under its influence recalling the injuries they had done him. His rage and passion simmered, occasionally exploded into raucous curses. Once he strode into the house, full of furious intent, but the eyes of the girl daunted him. They looked at him as they might have looked at a tiger padding toward her. He flung out of the house again, snarling at his own weakness. There was something in him stronger than passion, stronger than his reckless will, that would not let him lay a hand on her in the light of day. His bloodshot eyes looked for the sun. In a few hours now it would be dark. While he lounged sullenly on the chopping block, shoulders and head sunken, a sound brought him to alert attention. A horseman was galloping down the slope on the other side of the valley. Doble eased his guns to make sure of them. Intently he watched the approaching figure. He recognized the horse, Chiquito, and then, with an oath, the rider. His eyes gleamed with evil joy. At last, at last, he and Dave Sanders would settle accounts. One of them would be carried out of the valley feet first. Sanders leaped to the ground at the same instant that he pulled Chiquito up. The horse was between him and his enemy. The eyes of the men crossed in a long, level look. "'Where's Joyce Crawford?' asked Dave. "'That your business?' Doble added to his retort the insult unmentionable. "'I'm making it mine. What have you done with her?' The speech of the younger man took on an intonation of earlier days. "'I'm here to find out.' A swish of skirts, a soft patter of feet, and Joyce was beside her friend, clinging to him, weeping in his arms. Doble moved round in a wide circumference. When shooting began, he did not want his foe to have the protection of the horse's body. Not even for the beat of a lid did the eyes of either man lift from the other. "'Go back to the house, Joyce,' said Dave evenly. "'I want to talk with this man alone.' The girl clung the tighter to him. "'No, Dave, no. It's been—' awful the outlaw drew his long-barreled six-shooter still circling the group he could not fire without running a risk of hitting joyce hiding behind a woman are you he taunted and again flung the epithet men will not tolerate at any moment he might fire dave caught the wrists of the girl dragged them down from his neck and flung her roughly from him to the ground he pulled out his little bulldog Doble fired, and Dave fell. The outlaw moved cautiously closer, exultant at his marksmanship. His enemy lay still, the pistol in his hand. Apparently Sanders had been killed at the first shot. "'Come to get me with that pop-gun, did you? Huh, fat chance!' The bad man fired again, still approaching very carefully. Round the corner of the house a man had come. He spoke quickly. "'Turn your gun this way, Doug!' It was Shorty. His revolver flashed at the same instant. Doble staggered, steadied himself, and fired. The forty-fives roared. Yellow flames and smoke spurted. The bulldog barked. Dave's parlor toy had come into action. Out of the battle, Shorty and Sanders came erect and uninjured. Doble was lying on the ground, his revolver smoking a foot or two from the twitching, outstretched hand. The outlaw was dead before Shorty turned him over. A bullet had passed through the heart. Another had struck him on the temple, a third in the chest. "'We got him good,' said Shorty. "'It was coming to him. 
I reckon you don't know that he fired the chaparral on purpose. Wanted to wipe out the jackpot, I suppose. Yes, Doug sure had it coming to him. Dave said nothing. He looked down at the man, eyes hard as jade, jaw clamped tight. He knew that but for Shorty's arrival, he would probably be lying there himself. I was aiming to shoot it out with him before I heard of this last skullduggery. Soon as the kid woke me, I hustled up my intentions. The bad man looked at Dave's weapon with the flicker of a smile on his face. He called it a pop gun. I took notice it was a right busy little plaything, but you got your nerve all right. I'd say you hadn't a chance in a thousand. You played your hand fine, keeling over so he'd come close enough for you to get a crack at him. At that, he'd maybe got you if I hadn't drapped in. Yes, said Sanders. He walked across to the corral fence where Joyce sat huddled against the lower bars. She lifted her head and looked at him from wan eyes out of which the life had been stricken. They stared at him in dumb, amazed questioning. Dave lifted her from the ground. I... I thought you were dead, she whispered. Not even powder burnt. His six-shooter outranged mine. I was trying to get him closer. Is he? Yes, he'll never trouble any of us again. She shuddered in his arms. Dave ached for her in every tortured nerve. He did not know, and it was not his place to ask, what price she had to pay. Presently she told him, not in words, without knowing what he was suffering for her, a ghost of a smile touched her eyes. I knew you would come. It's all right now. His heart leaped. Yes, it's all right, Joyce. She recurred to her fears for him. You're not hiding any wounds from me. I saw you fall and lie there while he shot at you. He never touched me. She disengaged herself from his arms and looked at him, wan, haggard, unshaven, eyes sunken, a tattered wretch scarred with burns. "'What have you done to yourself?' she asked, astonished at his appearance. "'Souvenirs of the fire,' he told her. "'They'll wash and wear off. Don't suppose I look exactly pretty.' He had never looked so handsome in her eyes. End of chapter 44